Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Well, it's such an honor to be here. How many of you are familiar with uh, Global Awakening? Awesome, just a few of you. Well, like Dr. Melody said, my name is William Wood. I do work with that ministry called Global Awakening, and our entire emphasis is to raise up the body of Christ and to equip the saints to to represent Jesus well on this earth. Amen. How many of us know that's the role of the five-fold ministry is to equip the saints for the work of ministry? And that's everything that we do when we're with our travel, with our workshops, with our training, conferences, and things. It is for that emphasis to raise up the people of God. Amen. Oh, I pray that you're doing well. We are definitely in a very unique season and time right now, would you say? But how many of us know God has a response, God has an answer, amen? And that's a little bit what I want to talk to you about today. And I love Dr. Melody and, and, and the emphasis that she has and the influence that she has in the world. And, and thank you so much for allowing me to come and just share. I, I value you very much. As a matter of fact, I keep forgetting, but I want to invite you to one of my conferences that I do. So let's talk afterwards and we'll get that, we'll get that nailed down because I want to, I don't want this to be a one-way street, you know, I want it to be a mutual thing here, but this kind of leads me to what I want to talk to you about this morning and the reason that I addressed you as family, because some of us know God is raising up a covenant family on the earth, and that's one of the things that I feel like is necessary in this day and time, particularly because of what's going on right now in the area of family and what's going on with the different riots and the different things that's happening within our culture. How many of us know we need, we need family atmosphere in this country right now? As a matter of fact, when you look at the narrative of Scripture, you see from Genesis to Revelation that God is raising up a, raising up a covenant people. And one of the things that I've noticed over the past 20 years is that the message of identity has kind of missed this point. We have so focused on the individual identity that we have missed the family atmosphere that God wants to raise up. And so any understanding of identity that disconnects you from the context of family is an unbalanced, unbiblical approach to identity. Okay, I'm going to try this out. The reason that this has been the emphasis primarily in the Western culture is because the Western mindset is more focused on you as an individual. Because Americans are all about our benefits. Americans all, is all about what benefits me instead of what benefits us. But when you look at the biblical narrative, you see that God is interested in the people. God is interested in raising up a covenant people that becomes a blessing to society. And so I've titled this message, The Family of God. I want us to say this together, The Family of God. I just want you to let that settle into you. a matter of fact, you can even say it this way. The culture of the kingdom is family. 
The culture of the kingdom is family. I believe one of the reasons that family has been so, so attacked in this culture and in America is because family is a pillar of society. And whenever family is destroyed in society, community, unity, and safety is stripped from that culture. Now, I want you to write those three things down because we're going to come back to those three things at the end of this message. When, when family is destroyed in society, community, unity, and safety is stripped from society. And these are the three things that the kingdom of God and the family of God is called to create everywhere that we go. Matter of fact, if we just want to look at it in the natural, 40 to 50% of marriages in America end in divorce. Now, these numbers have gone down primarily because people are no longer getting married. 15 to 25% of children in America grow up in a single-parent household, which means only 15 to 25% of children in America grow up with the potential of a healthy family atmosphere. But how many of us know God has an answer to this? How many of us know God has a response to this? I know this is a very simple, basic message right now, but I feel like it's necessary for the season that we're in in this day and time, that God is wanting to raise up a covenant people. If I were to ask you right now, what is God's response to the world's problems, or what is God's response to the situation that's going on in society right now, I would believe that every single one of you would probably say something like this, Jesus is the answer. How many of us know Jesus is the answer? But how many of us know just that statement in and of itself is an incomplete statement? Matter of fact, I want, to, want you to view it a different way. Christ in you as God's covenant family is the answer. Christ in you as God's covenant family is the answer to society, which means this right here. I need to view myself as a solution to the problem. If you do not view yourself as a solution to the problem, you will ultimately become part of the problem. Most people are waiting for God to bring a solution instead of realizing that God has already brought a solution in the person of Jesus and through the people of God, his family. Oh, man. If that doesn't get you excited, your wood is wet. Amen. But I want you to view yourself, as we go forward with this message, I want you to view yourself as this. I am God's answer to the world's problems. I want you to say this with me. I am God's response to the world's problems. Christ in me is the answer. See, when you realize you are the answer, you'll stop waiting for an answer to come. When you realize you are a solution, you'll stop waiting for a solution to come. The reason that I am addressing this right now is because, once again, it's the Western worldview that has separated God from the responsibility of the bride. And we put God over here in a, in, in a place of his own, and we, and we kind of remove ourselves from this, and we kind of have an agnostic approach to the gospel where, where we believe God exists, we know he's out there somewhere, but he does, he's not really involved within society. That is not a biblical approach to the gospel. Matter of fact, if you want to look in Genesis chapter 1, I want you to turn there with me. Genesis chapter 1. 
We're going to look at what God's original intent is for mankind, but God's original intent is also our present assignment. And whenever you want to understand or know what God has or his value system for a particular subject, you have to trace it all the way back to the first time he mentions it. In Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 gives, God, gives the blueprint of what God created man for and why he placed us here on this earth. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says this, God created man in his image. Isn't that a beautiful statement? For many years as a young pastor, I would read this passage and I would just simply think to myself, well, this just means that I resemble God. How many of us know it is far beyond you just resembling God? No, God created you in his image so that you can be an exact representation of him on earth. One person's excited about that. At least it's the pastor. <laughs> Amen. No, God created you in his image so that you could be an exact representation of him on earth. It's in your original design to carry the nature of God. It's in your original design to carry his ways, to carry his values, to carry his name so that when people look to you, they're able to see Christ, a living God, revealed. In ancient history, a lot, of what, a lot of what people would do to show that they have authority, they would create statues and they would put these statues out so that the people can see who's in authority. But what God has done is God has created living beings in his image so that we living beings can reveal a living God and not a lifeless idol. You see, your life lived is to reveal that there is a creator. Your life lived is to reveal that God has a plan of redemption for mankind as well as creation. In Genesis chapter 1, all the way through Genesis chapter 3, we even see Eden as a prophetic picture of Revelation 21 and 22 of the new heavens and the new earth. How many of us know God has a plan of redemption and he's taking us on his journey? It begins with the covenant people. In verse 28 right here, it goes on to say this. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and govern it. And so now you see that when God created man in his image, now what does he do? He gives man responsibility. Now this reveals several different aspects, but number one, what I want you to get right here is that God gave you responsibility because it's always his intention to flow through his creation, not for his creation. To work through his people, not for his people. Isn't that good news? You see, the reason God gave you responsibility is so that your purpose ha will have a place to be expressed. Everything that God does, he does for pur purpose. He created you on purpose for purpose. Christ in you is the answer. And he says right here, be fruitful and multiply. This sounds a lot like Matthew chapter 28 with the Great Commission, where Jesus comes to the disciples and says, all of, all of authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, therefore go into some. It doesn't say that, does it? It says, therefore go into all and make disciples of all the nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have commanded 
wanted you. You see, this, this, this original intent is also our present assignment found in Matthew chapter 28. Isn't that good news? Isn't it good news that God wants to use you? Isn't it good news that God has placed you on this earth to be a revealer of him as creator, to put you here on this earth to govern? Do you realize the darkness in the world is our responsibility to do something about it? Some of the darkness that you're seeing in the world is a sign of the times, but I believe 50% of the darkness that's in the world is a sign of the church not realizing her responsibility. It's a sign that the people of God have not realized that the answer to the world's problems is Christ in us, us as Christ's imagers, us as God within us so that we can go into society and set up in society community, unity, and safety so that people can begin to experience the, the, the original intent as well as the present assignment and give, give purpose to our future hope. We're going on a journey. God blessed them and God said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it or govern it. We see the government of the kingdom is expressed through servanthood. Jesus, when he came to the earth, he came to the earth as a lamb. He came to the earth and he revealed what his, what his government looked like and what his lordship looked like. And his lordship looked like coming under and serving. His lordship looked like coming down and washing your feet. His lordship looked like coming under and serving the people and lifting up those around them so that they can see themselves in the created design they were meant to be. You see, that's what government of the kingdom is going to consist of and an aspect of it. Is this making sense? And so I believe there's two views or two perspectives that we need to have. If we're going to raise up covenant family, if we're going to establish covenant family on the earth, we need to view our, number one is this, we need to view ourselves as a son to a father. That's our individual identity. But number two, we need to view ourselves as brothers and sisters within the covenant family. Oh, man, isn't that good? You see, the Bible is both focused on you as an individual as, as well as us as a people, as us as covenant people. So we need to have both of these perspectives if we're going to raise up and set up society in a family atmosphere. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 1, it says this right here, verse 1. It says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son. Isn't that beautiful? One of the reasons that Jesus came in the form of man was to redeem the purpose of man on earth. All right, let me try this side. One of the reasons that Jesus came in the form of man to re was, was to redeem the purpose of man on earth, which means there are two perspectives we need of Jesus. We need to understand that Jesus lived for us, but we also need to understand that Jesus lived as us. Because you are in Christ, and Christ is in you. So when you study and read the Gospels, you need to look at what Jesus is doing, and you need to picture yourself doing it. 
You need to picture yourself raising the dead and cleansing the lepers and casting out demons. You need to view yourself multiplying the bread and the fish. You need to view yourself walking on that water. You need to view yourself as, as, Je- as if you were Jesus in the... F- oh, boy. Let me say it a different way because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. Any way of thinking that would undermine the identity of Jesus undermines your purpose. You see, we have to first look to Jesus so that we can learn to look through Jesus. I need to first look to Jesus so that he can reveal to me what a son looks like on the earth. You see, if Jesus is the prophetic voice to this age, which means all prophetic ministry has to come out of Christ-centric focus. And listen, some prophetic ministry right now doesn't have Christ at the center. If Jesus is the messenger to this age, and he came to live for us as well as as us, then I think we need to first look to him so that now we can have the lens to interpret life through. You see, any way that you view people needs to be consistent with the way that Jesus viewed people because Jesus did not view people as they are. He viewed people as they were created to be. And when you learn to look through the person of Jesus Christ, you learn to look past what they're portraying and look to the essence of what they were originally created to be on this earth, imagers of God. Whew. See, this is important that we must view ourselves as a son to a father. We have to begin with ourselves before we can begin with others, right? But we don't become a son by looking, going introspective. We we become a son by looking into Jesus. And when we look into Jesus, we're looking into a a, a mirror picture, a perfect picture of our created design, of our created value. Wow. This is what it means to be a Christian. It means little Christ, right? Jesus is your role model. Jesus is your standard. He is the, but listen, he is not the standard as a pinnacle to attain, but as a foundation to be built upon. The victory Jesus gained, you begin with. Everything that Jesus defeated going to the cross, he placed you in victory over by the cross. And so Jesus is the foundation of your life to begin from, not strive to attain to. This is the beauty of the gospel. Matter of fact, in case you don't believe me, I'm going to read a Bible verse. Romans chapter 8 verse 15 says this. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own child. Now we call him Abba Father for his spirit. Listen to this. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Do you realize what the new creation is? The new creation is literally in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17 says the one who has joined himself to the Lord has become one spirit with him. And so the new creation is your spirit and God's spirit being joined. Do you realize that in your spirit right now, you're just as righteous and holy and pure as Jesus is? In the same way that he is holy, you are holy. In the same way that he is righteous, you are righteous. In the same way that he is pure, you are pure. 
We have to understand what the new creation is. The new creation is my spirit being joined with God. And so now I have to learn to live from the spirit through the flesh. Is this making sense or am I complicating the gospel? I'm trying to get us to see something right here. It is in your spirit that you are just like Jesus. It is already a finished work. It is not something that you have to try to do. It's not something that you're striving to attain. It's an accomplished fact. But now you have to also understand the renewing of your mind aspect. The soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. As my soul is submitted to the government of the spirit, now what the, what the spirit is begins to be demonstrated through my life. In other words, living like Jesus has nothing to do with your ability. It has everything to do with your willingness to yield. Most people don't view themselves as Jesus on earth because they see themselves according to the flesh instead of according to the spirit. We need, we need to stop processing and looking and evaluating ourselves according to the natural, but according to the spirit of God. Amen? I'm running out of time, so let me move on to the next one here. This is the one that I really want to get to. We are to view our Cells as fellow brothers and sisters within the family of God. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 is one of my favorite chapters in Scripture because it goes to list several different parables that reveals a value system of heaven, that reveals a value system of what Jesus came to this earth to do. In Luke 15, verses 1 and 2, gives you two different mindsets that I want to highlight right here that Jesus begins to, to reconcile or dismantle, expose throughout the parables. Now, let's read it together. Now, now all the tax collectors and, the, and sinners were coming near to him to listen to him. Everyone say, the lost. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble. Everyone say, the religious. Saying this, many saying this man receives sinners and even eats with them. You know, how dare Jesus hang out with people that need help, right? What does these two verses reveal? These two verses reveal, well, number one, Jesus' value system for mankind is he came for the lost. Do you realize Jesus didn't come to rescue you from the world, but for the world? In Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8, Jesus himself says, As you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But the American gospel has changed that message to say this. The gospel is you saying yes to Jesus so that you can go to heaven one day. Do you realize it's always been God's intention for the new heavens and the new earth to be, to be uh, heaven and earth being joined? It's never been about us dying and going to a place one day. Is it okay to say that? Absolutely. But the end game is the new heavens and the new earth. And so it's already been launched in the person of Jesus, the new creation. You see, the new creation isn't just about you as a person. It's about us carrying a mission of bringing heaven to earth. Oh, man. Well, that's why in Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray, he says, pray in this way, that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, is that heaven is coming and intermingling and interlocking with earth now through God's covenant people. And so this reveals God's, what, what Jesus came to this earth for is he came for the lost. He didn't come to rescue you out of this world because, listen, he has a plan of redemption for this world. But he came to rescue you for the people, for the world, so that now you can bring the mission of heaven on earth through your life. Is this making sense? And so this reveals this two, two mindsets. And now he goes to give these parables, exposing and trying to reconcile these two mindsets. And he comes all the way to, the, Luke, uh, to verse 11, which is all of us will recognize as a parable of the prodigal son. I actually like the way the Passion Translation uh, heads this as the parable of the loving father, because that's really what it's about. But so he gets all the way to this parable. I don't have time to go through it this morning. I have a 10-hour teaching on it, actually. I, I, but I want to highlight this one thing. This parable isn't just about this one prodigal son. It's also about a father and another brother. And what I want you to notice is what Jesus is trying to reconcile within this parable. In verse 11, it reveals what he's doing. And he said, a man had two sons. I want you to think about this. He doesn't, he doesn't say a man had two sinners. He says a man had two sons. What is he trying to do? All the way back to the context, verses 1 and 2, he's trying to reconcile these two things because the religious has disassociated themselves from the people they were called to redeem. And what Jesus is trying to get them to put another set of lens on, it says, no, the people that you're separating yourself from are actually your brother and sister. You see, Jesus didn't come to simply save sinners. He came to redeem lost children. And so now I no longer need to view people as dirty, rotten sinners. I need to view them as lost brothers and sisters because I don't need to disassociate myself from them. And because, and listen, and when I disassociate myself from them, I actually give the devil purpose in their life. And this is exactly what is happening right now is because we have not understood the covenant family that God is raising up. And because of that, we're separating ourselves from the world instead of going into society bringing redemption and reconciliation. We look at them, and what, it, what is the next thing he's trying to do? He's trying to destroy the us and them mentality. Wow. Wow. As long as you have an us and them mentality, you already have separated yourself from your brother and sister, and you will not play part of their redemption, but a part of their bondage. You see, this set of lens is going to help us to be able to go into society, and with this context and with this understanding, I am here to redeem my brother and sister, so I do not need to view them as a dirty, rotten person that I need to separate myself from. No, that's someone I need to go and hang out with, because I am here as an answer to that problem. I am here as a response to the situations of the world, and I'm not going to give darkness purpose with my own oh, complacency with the gospel. <sighs> Family, I hope I'm beginning to paint a picture for you. I'm going to give you the core value of what reconciliation looks like, and reconciliation is needed right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 16 through 20, 
It says, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. So what do you recognize people according to? The Spirit. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now listen to this. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of condemnation. Is that what it says? You know, it says the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now, here's the core value of reconciliation, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making his appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled unto God. Do you realize what the core value of reconciliation is? I'm not counting your trespasses against you because I don't see you as you are. I see you as you were created to be. And I don't see you as someone as a stranger, but I see you as a fellow brother and as a fellow sister that is part of the family of God. And you may not know it yet, but with my life lived in front of you, it reveals your purpose and destiny and value. Every single one of us in this room, we have things in our life that we can hold against people. Thank God that Jesus doesn't do that to us. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. While you were yet that unbeliever, while you were yet that drug addict, while you were yet that person that was bound in darkness, he wasn't offended at your disobedience. No, he says, no, my son needs redemption. And so while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. You see, I know the life that I've lived, and I've known the lies and the bondage and the deceit that I've come out of. I know the drugs and the addictions that I've come out come out of, but I know the reconciliation of my kids and his name is Jesus and I know what love looks like because it was manifested to me without counting my trespasses against me you see in 2012 my brother was was murdered through a drug transaction with a by a person with the last name as mine he's my half-brother To be honest with you, I started struggling with that. To be honest with you, I wanted to harbor unforgiveness toward that person. I wanted to, I did not want to see reconciliation. I wanted to see them punished. Why? Because in America, we think judgment is about punishment instead of justice. You see, see, what, 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 what I began to do is I began to get before the Father and says, Lord, I know that, that, that I don't need to view this person as this. And he began to shift my perspective about the person that murdered my brother. And you know how I started viewing them? I started viewing her as a woman. I started viewing her as my sister. I started viewing her according to what she was created to be, and I was able to even go and look at this person and say, you know what? You've done some dirty, rotten things, but I'm not here to judge and condemn you. I'm here to forgive you and to let you know God has a plan for your life, and that plan is being reconciled unto your creator so that the image that you're called to bear is the the image of your God. My aunt went into the hospital about three years ago 
just with a routine checkup, the doctors gave her medicine that actually killed her. She was allergic to it, and it was just a routine thing, and she died. I'm of a snow. I could hold that against them. But that's not what reconciliation is. Reconciliation is not holding people's trespasses against them. Reconciliation is about realizing that Christ is the answer, and I'm here to call them into redemption. Amen? Is this helping anybody? Romans chapter 12 even begins to give a different picture and a different context right here. If you knew how much stuff I'm skipping over, you would be amazed. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. Now the Bible even takes family covenant into a a deeper dimension. And Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 gives a beautiful picture of our interconnected purpose and value within each other's lives. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. This is what the Bible is saying. Not only do I need to view, as a, view you as a brother and a sister, not only do I need to view you as part of the family of God, I need to view you as part of the same body of Christ. In other words, my significance is divinely connected to your purpose in my life. It's time that we begin to see each other as people that complete one another instead of competitors. The one of the things that the enemy will try to do in your life is he will try to come and get you to compare yourself to somebody else and begin to compare your function to somebody else. Why? Because he wants to bring disunity. He doesn't want us to complete one another within the body of Christ. He wants us to compete with one another in the body of Christ. You see, comparison is the sacrifice of contentment. You're no longer content with who God designed you to be as long as you compare yourself to somebody else because you would generally compare your weakness to their strength. Is you, are you guys okay? You're sleeping. This is the body of Christ. In, in other words, the body of Christ, listen, you are so significant that the body of Christ is incomplete without you. That's how significant you are. That's how important you are within the family of God. That's how important you are within the body of Christ is that the body of Christ is incomplete without you. Why? Because you carry an aspect of the nature of God to be revealed in this world that nobody else can reveal it in the way that you can. You see, every single one of us is born an original, so stop dying a copy. Do you realize the desire to be somebody else is a sin against your own design? When you desire to be somebody else, all you can be is a cheap imitation of their purpose. But when you fully realize what God has made you for, when you fully realize that in your function and in your role, that in your part of the body of Christ, that it causes the body to be complete, which which enables the fullness of Jesus to be demonstrated, once you realize that, you'll no longer want to be somebody else. You'll want to understand your function within the interconnection of other people. This is beautiful. We need to have covenant family on earth again today. Ephesians chapter 4. Can you tell I love the Bible? I read about six hours a day because I just study that way because I love to study the Word of God because I want my belief system to be consistent with what He says. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16 begins to paint another picture of the body of Christ. And I want you to pay attention to how it lays this out. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. Listen to this. To the building up of the body of Christ until we all. I love the Bible, man. It's so good. Until we all attain the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, listen to this, to a mature man, to the measure which, to the measure which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Wow. Do you realize that the fullness of Christ is to be demonstrated through covenant family on earth? That the fullness of Christ is to be demonstrated through the body of Christ on this earth. And as long as we disassociate ourselves from one another, and as long as we compare ourselves to one another, what we're doing is disabling the fullness of Jesus on earth, and we represent aspects of who he is instead of the fullness of who he is. I want you to even picture this. If I lose the function of my right arm, how many of us know my left arm still can work and it can, it can take up the responsibility for both functions, but what happens is this function becomes divided in nature. Not only do I need to do its responsibility, I need to take up the responsibility of the arm that's not functioning. But if I lose the function of both of my legs, well, how many of us know now I need outside artificial assistance to come and take the role and responsibility that's not operating? At some point, through disunity, at some point, if we continue to disassociate ourselves one from another and compare ourselves one from one another, the body is going to be so disabled that now artificial replacements will come and take the role of responsibility and provide an answer for what the church is called to provide an answer for. And it comes from the tree of knowledge and good and evil instead of the knowledge of God. A lot of the church's understanding of God is coming from the wrong tree in the garden. Anyway, I'll let that go. But when you realize how we're interconnected and you realize that you complete me, when you realize you're not here to expose my weakness but to cover my weakness by your strength, and my strength is to cover your weakness, not bring you up in front of everybody and embarrass you and call it redemption. No, it's, it's, it's actually, I'm to cover you and bring redemption and wholeness in your life because my strength covers your weakness and your strength covers my weakness and us together causes our functions to mature and grow. Oh, man. It goes on to say this, Ephesians 4, as a result, we are no longer to be children. Man, I love the Bible. It just tells you, grow up. And we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. Listen to this. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, listen to this, from whom the whole body being filled and held together by what every joint supplies, listen to this, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of the itself in love wow the fullness of christ being demonstrated on the earth is divinely connected to your fullness of function all right it's divinely connected to you maturing in what god designed you to be because as you mature in your function it enables mine to 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 fully blossom and to fully mature into its function 
God is not going to allow me to run this race in such a way that it dislocates me from the body. Oh, boy. I want to give you three values of healthy family. These are three practical things that you can do. And I know we're, we're running out of time. I'm already a minute over. I hope that's okay. Well, I have different times here. My iPad says one thing. My phone says another. And okay. I'm going to go with the one that says 1129. So we're going to come back to the three things that I mentioned in the beginning of this message. Community, unity, and safety. These are three values of healthy family. And I want to give you practical ways that you can, in your life, implement these three values within society. Because whether you're an extreme extrovert or whether you're an introvert, you can do all three of these aspects. And number one is this, community. What does community provide? Community provides a place for people to belong. That's why it's important for us to provide community. That's why it's important for us as we go out into the world. Let me ask you, when people hang around you, do they find a place to belong? When people hang around you, do they find judgment and condemnation or do they find reconciliation? Do they find purpose and value in your presence in their life? Do they find a place to belong? Because this is important, and every single one of us can value people as God's imagers and can value people in their original design regardless of what they say and do to you because you're not a product of your environment. You're a product of your created purpose. And so it doesn't matter what people do to you. It doesn't determine how you respond to them. Wow. When people get around me, they need to understand they have a place at my table. And they have a place within the table of God. Everywhere that I go, I want to make sure that I value people in that way that they understand and know they belong. The second one is another value of family is unity. What does unity provide? Unity provides togetherness. In other words, when people come into your house, when people come into a relationship with you, not only do you need to give them community, a place to belong, a place of relationship, a place of family, but you need to give them an idea or a sense that we're doing something in a larger scheme. We're doing something together that's bigger than ourselves, and we need each other to be able to accomplish that feat, to be able to accomplish that assignment. See, what people need is to be connected to something that's bigger than themselves so that their idea or belief system can get off of them onto a larger picture. I hope this is helping. Listen, this is so simple, somebody has to help you to complicate it. But I hope I'm not making it so simple that you you kind of check out and, and miss what I'm trying to communicate here because this is important, family. We can all provide community. We can all provide uh, unity, giving police people this togetherness, giving people this vision for life that is bigger than us to the point where they realize, oh, you need me and I need you so that we can do this together. Amen? And the last thing is safety. You see, safety provides uh, protection. Safety provides protection. When people come into your life, when people come in relationship with you, do they feel protected or exposed? 
Because when people come in relationship with me, they need to understand and they need to hear from from my voice and by my actions, I'm here to reconcile and redeem. I'm not here to judge and condemn. I'm not here to expose. I am here to bring protection to you. People, People will never open up in an environment they don't feel protected. And we wonder why people coming into the church do not want to open up about the real issues of their life because they don't feel protected by the, by the atmosphere there. They don't feel protected by the culture that's created there. So what they do, they, they go introspective. They go, they go into a, uh, their own little world instead of opening up knowing that the people around them are there to bring protection. 1 Peter chapter 4, 7, and 8 says this, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Why does love cover sin? Not so that you can continue in sin, but so that you can, can deal with it under the protection of love. Amen. There you go. That's why love covers a multitude of sin. So that the person that's bound in sin can deal with that under the protection of love and care. Under the protection of community, unity, and safety. You see it? Family, just let me pray for you and I'll let you go. And listen, this is so good. I have 42 seconds left. <laughs> I just want you to close your eyes. Father, I just love you so much. And Lord, I just thank you for the wonderful privilege and honor that we have to call ourselves sons and to call ourselves daughters. And Lord, I just thank you that you're raising up a covenant family, that you're raising up a people that realize that you and them are the answer. Father, I just ask that you would help us to begin to view ourselves as that son to a father and to begin to view each other as brothers and sisters and to begin to realize and see the significance and the purpose and the value and the function that every person plays within the body of Christ. Father, I ask that you would give us the wisdom and the revelation and the understanding that we need to implement implement your kingdom, to implement this family within society. That everywhere that we go, we can establish covenant. We can establish the kingdom. We can bring heaven to earth with our words, with our actions, with our lifestyle. Lord, give us the wisdom and the understanding so that everywhere that we go, new creation is established and redemption is at hand. And with the creation around me, this longing for the revealing of the sons of God can see inside of the family of God redemption and wholeness. And they can be set free from their slavery, from corruption. Corruption. Lord, help us to see the larger picture, your plan of redemption for man as well as creation, and the role in which we play within that plan. I speak to every person that's in this room, and I say, you are a son, and you are a daughter. You have purpose, and you have value. God has entrusted to you his name and his kingdom and his message. God trusts that you are going to take this message to the world. God trusts that you're going to take his kingdom into all of the world. Holy Spirit, I just ask for a fresh impartation of your spirit of boldness and courage. 
that even though we may be fearful in the moment, even though we may be uncertain, even though we may even doubt at times, but we still have the courage to move forward. We still have the boldness to open our mouths and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to speak. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Listen, family, I've enjoyed being with you this morning. I wish I had time to develop that even more. Um, I don't think I have ever finished a message, no matter how how many sessions I ever have. And I just got back from a, a very large Methodist church in Alabama. I did seven services and still didn't finish the message. But I hope and pray that this inspired you, encouraged you, as well as equipped you, as well as, as, as deposited an idea, a different set of lens to see life through. I love you guys, and I want you to know that. Thank you so much for allowing me to come. Pastor, I can hand it over to you.